Welcome, Bird Gang. On today's show, we'll look back at Saturday's red and white practice, what stood out, who stood out. Also, a conversation about the offensive line. We've talked about Rodney Hudson and his importance before, but now from the perspective of his teammates, exactly what does Hudson bring to that group? Plus, Josh Jones is taking every advantage of the reps he's getting at right guard. And Josh Miles, pay attention to him here in the preseason. It's Cardinals Cover 2, episode 451, and it starts now. Welcome to Cardinals Cover 2 with Craig Grigalou and Mike Jarecki. Cardinals Cover 2 is presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. Going for Hopkins, one-handed catch and a touchdown! DeAndre Hopkins... Here's Craig Grealu and Mike Jarecki. Welcome to week three of training camp. Better said, MJ, welcome to game week. First preseason game is Friday. The Dallas Cowboys are in town, 7 p.m. here at State Farm Stadium. And, yes, there will be pregame coverage. That begins at 3.30 on the Arizona Cardinals radio network. We finally get to see this team hit someone else. Yeah, and, you know, at this point in training camp, you want to go against some other opponents, and the Cardinals will have that opportunity over the next three weeks. you got the Cowboys uh, the following week, the Chiefs, and then they go on the road against the New Orleans Saints, and you're going to hear all week it's time to go against a, another team or another face because these guys have been grinding since the offseason, and, and you can only do so much hitting in training camp. But you know what's coming out on Monday today? What would that be? The unofficial depth chart. Yeah, the Bird Gang, I'm going to say it right now, and I'm going to say it all week long. Whatever gets tweeted, <laughs> reported, talked about, pay zero attention to the unofficial, and let me stress, unofficial depth charts. Basically, if you've been out here, and, and, and in all seriousness, if you've been out here to watch training camp, that's what matters. Who's running with the ones? Who's running with the twos? Who's playing special teams? on those first units because those those players will make the team and be the backup. So just use this unofficial, again, unofficial depth chart as a tool, but it is not gospel. Well, and it comes from the media relations department. With a little bit of help from the coaching staff, but yes. Correct. But a lot of times, you know, we watch camp and then you'll see a guy maybe second or third string, and then some guys you just want to put at fourth string because you're trying to slide them and maybe nobody will pay attention. So I, I, I like that the fact that you're fired up about the depth chart. Because I know what's going to happen once the <laughs> press release goes out and Bird Gang, depending on the when game you're listening, release. It, it already might be out. But once it hits, it's people are just going to go nuts, <laughs> and it, it doesn't it doesn't matter. Rondell Moore's third string. Yeah, <laughs> would be funny, though, if all of a sudden, just to play a trick, see if people are paying attention, you put Kyler Murray second team and you elevate a Colt McCoy to first team, and that certainly would get a lot well, of people talking. Well, that's being reckless. Yeah, yeah. you got to make sure the, the, the networks, um, and next week they'll have ESPN here. you got to make sure everyone's on the same page. It'll be interesting to see how the players, we know the coaches, they have their own approach, but how the players approach this week with three days of practice before game week. Last week, six straight days of practice, the longest week of training camp, and it culminated with a red and white practice on Saturday. Good showing by the Bird Gang, 15,000 in attendance, including Governor Doug Ducey. Great moment before 
practice began, and we've seen this annually now, MJ. The Pro Bowl players from the season before get their jerseys, framed jerseys, and that was Kyler Murray, DeAndre Hopkins, and Buda Baker. But what I noticed, and I I don't know if it happened last season or in previous years, but the position coach of each of those players, so you're talking Cam Turner, Sean Jefferson, and Marcus Robertson, they were out there as well. And I think they need recognition because, yes, the talent's, all falls on the players, but the coaching staff, not just the head coach or the coordinator, those position coaches, they're with those individual players more than anyone else. I don't recall, and I thought it was a nice gesture. Obviously, you know, Michael Bidwell addresses the crowd and he introduces the players and, you know, the ones that are we were in the Pro Bowl, and it was nice to see. And he did make a comment that he thinks Kyle Murray is going to be a, in a lot of different Pro Bowls, hopefully get deep into the postseason. But I thought it was a nice gesture. And then Cliff talked to the crowd and then they had the red and white scrimmage. Well, practice. Yes, yes. It's, practice, excuse me. And I th- I'm trying to remember, I think once upon a time it was billed as a scrimmage. And then as certainly we get smarter about things, it kind of dialed back and it just became a practice. Yeah. Now, if I'm not mistaken, three padded practices last week? Correct. And Saturday was number three. Now, Friday has looked like more of a glorified walkthrough. Yeah, they were going about, I wouldn't even say half speed, maybe – a little, a little bit more than half speed and sometimes less than half and speed. And guys are having a little fun on, on, yes. on the punt uh, return, obviously, when you, Patrick Peterson had seven in case you yeah, missed how many consecutive? Yeah, can you – I mean, usually these guys can hold five, four or five balls when they're catching a punt. So it, it had a little fun out there, and I think that's just kind of the monotonous of, of training camp. All right, what were your initial thoughts? Well, let me just say this about Saturday's practice. A number of players did not practice. We were told Malcolm Butler wouldn't, but he was out there, so that was good. The defensive line only had four players dress, so there was some limited opportunities for the quote-unquote big-name players, but Buda Baker earlier said, hey, you know, don't expect to see a lot of me out there, and we didn't, so it did open up the door for some young players. I do think it was important because these reps, you know, how many reps are they going to get once preseason play begins? We don't know. But my biggest takeaway is not so much as far as offense, defense, and special teams, but just specifically players that stood out. And he's been standing out for a while now, and that is wide receiver Andre Bocelli, number 82, former Washington Husky. So he is certainly someone that a lot of players in that locker room know about, a lot about, because there are a number of Washington players uh, in that locker room. But he consistently just catches everything thrown his way, plus his speed, his quickness, and they're working him outside, inside, getting some work on special teams as well. Don't know if he'll make the team, but someone to keep an eye on. And if they're high on him, maybe you slide him onto the practice squad. Well, I think uh, it may be similar for you, but when when we start watching practice and there's a 90-man roster, and then we always pay attention to the transactions. We give you a heads up what the roster looks like based on the moves. And the first thing I do is you watch a player like number 33, and he was catching a ton of passes, and all of a sudden he's on the shelf right now. And then you look at 82, and you're like, wow, this guy's showing up. So uh, he's taking advantage of the opportunity. Again, it's going to be a long shot to meet the 53-man roster. But, again, maybe they think he's a year away, but he has flashed. And you don't see a lot of drops, and I like the versatility and the flexibility where he can pop inside and outside. So 
give them a credit, and I'm sure we're going to see a ton of uh, these guys in the preseason games. I don't know how much the starters will play. Maybe we'll find out later in the week. 5'10", a buck 75. Bocelli, 24 years old, and he was getting a lot of run with the first team in addition to the second team, but that's because Hopkins was only out there for a handful of snaps. Rondell Moore was not out there. A.J. Green was not out there. Christian Kirk was dressed, but he didn't see a lot of time with 11-on-11 work. And the offense, I do think, suffered because of it. It was not a great showing from the offense. They had three different drives that I saw. One ended with a Darquez Denard interception. Probably would have been a pick six because he caught that ball in the left flat and there was no one in front of him. Just a whole bunch of green and the whistle did blow and they ran another play and it looked like Kyler got sacked because they blew it dead. But uh, first team offense was not able to get into the end zone on the three drives that they held throughout the entire practice. I thought the defense clearly had the upper hand. The Cardinals did go on a 12-play drive. I thought James Conner had really two good runs. I want to say one was maybe seven yards, the other was uh, 24 yards. Um, I thought Kyler Murray had a nice run, and I thought Kyler hit Max Williams down the seam for a really good pass. Unfortunately, they couldn't uh, capitalize. He overthrew Max Williams in the end zone. You know, the offense kind of over the last uh, couple practices, they haven't been as efficient now when you're running different bodies out there. But I really like what I saw from Connor. I thought Edwins would maybe get a couple more carries. Of course, you do have, um, you know, Jonathan Ward out there and Eno Benjamin. But really it's about just, you know, lining up and trying to know the offense. And, you know, I'm sure they're going to look at cards this week and what that means. You're not going to get a game plan, so to speak, but you're going to look at formations. And this can help them when they play the Cowboys down the road. So a little bit more thinking involved this week where you're just not going out there, going against your own teammates. There were plays that flashed. If you're looking for highlights, you could pull that 90-minute practice out and give you five, six plays offense and defense. Chase Edmonds up the middle for seven yards. You documented the Connor run, a nice hole through the right side of the offensive line. Um, Humphreys and Pugh, it was just, I mean. He got to that second layer. I mean, we could have run through that hole over the right side. The overthrow to Max Williams down the seam on the second drive, and then later on on drive number three, almost the exact same play, but this time they did hit for a gain of 25 yards. So I think that is something that you, you work on it in practice, and it's the reps, and it's the chemistry, and if you don't get it, First, well, just keep working it because I do think, you know, that if Max Williams is healthy and any Darrell Daniels, who is, I think, catching the ball better than he has during his Cardinals tenure, those that position specifically, the tight end position, can be a weapon, especially down the middle of the field where you hope you spread the offense with your wide receivers and then that middle becomes free for a tight end. I like the way you're thinking because that would really come down to 11 personnel. And if you got, you know, hop on one side and then you have A.J. Green on the other, whether it's Kirk or Rondell Moore, you know, all of a sudden you got to focus on those three receivers. And then to me, that's where Kyler needs to start making his money, 11 to 19 yards. You know, it could be 22 yards, but Max, um, just like we saw from Dan Arnold, they're really effective down going down this, the scene. Now you're going to take a big hit in a lot of these games, and you got to hope that you protect yourself, but they're not going to put them in harm's way. But that's the perfect 11-11 personnel with Max Williams because he can sit there and block, 
release, and then Kyler, if he goes through his progressions, that would be an easy throw versus trying to force something on the outside. Now that catch came on drive number three, and they set it up with a minute 20 on the clock, first and 10 at your own 25, one timeout, and you're down four, 21-17. That's how they set it up on the scoreboard, and they got down to first and well, excuse me. After that Williams gain of 25 yards, um, things got a little sloppy. Oh, Murray yeah. and Edmonds bumped into each other in the backfield for a loss of four, and then it was third and 14. And Kyler Murray did what Kyler Murray does, and he ran for the first down. He didn't have anyone open, so now you're looking eight seconds left, first and goal at the 10. No one open. Murray threw the ball away. Two seconds left. False start, and I don't know who it was on. But in the regular season, that would have ended the game. They ran one more play because, well, you can do that in training camp. First and goal from the 15, two seconds left, and Murray had no one to throw to. He threw it incomplete in the back of the end zone. I think it even might have hit the uh, upright of the uh, goalposts, and the defense won that drive as far as, I wouldn't even call it two-minute, but just late-game situation. To me, it was disappointing seeing the uh, the miscommunication between Kyler and, and – uh... And Chase Edmonds, I mean, you're breaking the huddle and it looked like Kyler wanted to hand the ball off and Edmonds thought maybe he was going to pull it back. And then the false start, I mean, you just can't afford that. Now, they've had officials in camp, and according to my understanding, these officials have been in the meeting rooms with these players. You haven't heard that before. And, well, obviously the officials will be, uh, you know, doing these games, but it's really – you could see that based on what Sean Coogler said – we know that when you make a mistake, you jump outside, you come out for a play, and then, you know, kind of cool down. But, um, again, these are things, and I'm glad you brought up that situation, that situational football right there where you get a false start and you're trying to get, you know, down by four. So a field goal is not going to help you. So, yeah, this, I mean, it's you hate to see the, the lack of attention to detail considering that you focus now. These guys have been in camp. Um, you know, it wasn't when even though they were in full pads, once you got to that second layer, you really had to back off. You don't want to see anybody on the ground. So, um, you know, we heard it was going to be a physical camp, and now I'm curious to see how they're going to tee it up against the Cowboys because the Cowboys played a lot of backups in the Hall of Fame game, and I got to think the Cardinals are going to try to utilize, you know, these first and second year players besides Kyler Murray because you got to really build the back end of the roster and then try to figure out who's the top 53 and who's going to be on the practice squad. Cardinals covered two presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, as we come to you from Cardinals training camp powered by Cox. And I'm glad you brought up the officials in the meeting rooms because that was a little nuggets from offensive line coach, run game coordinator Sean Kugler when he addressed the media post-practice on Saturday. Said it was Kingsbury's idea, and we've talked a lot about. We brought it up at the end of the regular season last year as far as the number of penalties, the most penalized team you can't especially the pre-snap penalties. And when all of a sudden first and 10 is first and 15 or worse, first and 20 or third and one becomes third and six, you just can't have that happen. But according to Kugler, with the officials in the position meeting rooms, you're getting great feedback. And then he added, quote, sometime you need to hear it from the top. You needed to hear it from authority to where, you know, a mistake is made and 
or even what you think is a good play, and the official's like, hey, back it up. You know, you might get flagged for this, or look at where your right hand is, and it's got to be lower, or that's too much contact by the DB there. And remember, you know, wide receiver, you can't straight arm a guy. You know, it's got to be bended because once it's straight, then that's a signal to the official that, you know, you've kind of maybe crossed, yeah, you've crossed the line. So I do think it's, it's something that I've never heard about, but if you have that opportunity, then yeah, more power to you and, and utilize it. We talked about referee Bill Vinovich in town with his crew Thursday through Saturday, but it certainly sounds like these officials, not just Vinovich is his crew, but officials who might live in the area are have, have been key players during this offseason in training camp. And Vinovich is going to be uh, the referee on Friday night against the Dallas Cowboys. Okay, so maybe they are in town for several days. We'll see. I, I was thinking the same thing when I read this this morning, the referee assignments for each uh, preseason game, and I'm thinking, all right, he was here, um, but he's going to be back here. I don't know if he's going to be here the next couple of days, but uh, I did listen to Ron Wolfley on Monday, and he said Belichick would do the same thing. I don't know if it was in Cleveland, but you never heard of officials going in the meeting rooms. And it's, okay, it's it's almost like, what can I get away with? <laughs> no, I'm serious. Like, is this is this holding? Because we all know that you can call holding all the time. Is it, a, is it a run blocking play where I can get away with this? I mean, really, I mean, you're asking questions to where you really have to play um, to your strengths, but also don't cross the line when it comes to getting penalties. So, I, it's, I, I mean, the fact that Cliff brought this up to me, it really starts at the top when it comes to discipline and the fact that they are taking you out of a drill, you're losing a rep, and some of these guys can't afford to lose reps. You, you know, Some of these backups only get a few reps per day. Um, so I think it's a good thing now. We'll see if there's carryover when we come to the preseason, cut down the penalties, and, of course, that's the goal for the regular season. Well, it would have been nice if Kingsbury had come up with this idea a couple of years ago and we wouldn't have to be worrying about <laughs> Clapgate. And that entire debacle that first year with Kyler Murray, and you, you can't clap. It, it's a false – and that was – you know, I'm, I'm, but I'm, the glad, NFL, I'm glad we're, we're, we're past that. Yeah, and I think that was um, Hockley's crew, Sean Hockley's uh, crew. It might, listen, I can't remember, listen, yeah. I mean, the NFL was wrong. You're allowed to clap. It's just – well, all of a sudden – It was the yes. it was the motion where it wasn't a full clap. You, you, were, weren't, you weren't touching You're, you're trying to deceive the defense. Correct. Yeah. But the officials were wrong, and I'm glad they corrected it because you don't want that issue because everything was predicated on Kyler Murray and the offense with the air raid. All right, let's talk about the second-team offense and what the defense was able to do against Colt McCoy. First drive, again, it uh, Andre Bocelli um, was a big factor. Greg Dortch is another one, number 38, another small sized wide receiver who was working on special teams in the return game that these guys, you know, you get an opportunity. What do we say? What do you do with that opportunity? And Bacelli and Dorch are making every bit, taking every advantage of their opportunity, especially when you have Hopkins sitting, A.J. Green sitting, and Kirk sitting. So, Rondell Moore. And, and now where are those reps coming from? Well, Andy Isabella, Keyshawn Johnson, they're getting first-team reps, but they need more wide receivers, and these guys in the back end are taking full advantage of these reps. And that's all you can ask for. And, again, I still think when the Cardinals are healthy at that position, these guys are more practice squad guys. But, hey, they're also, you know, um, auditioning for 31 other clubs. I mean, now there's going to be scouts at preseason games. You didn't have that last year. Um, you know, obviously, if you uh, open it up to the fans, you never know who's going to show up here. So, 
Um, they're not only auditioning for possibly a job here, but also around the league. And we know that the Cardinals feel like they really like, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten players that may make the 53, but they want to bring them back on the practice squad. And you're going to see their scouts um, at these preseason games, and they'll come back with reports, and maybe there's a few guys that want to claim. Um, but we know it's a little bit different there where they got to put them on the 53. They haven't been in camp. More practice squad. So they're going to have a plan. And I like the fact that these guys are showing up because there's injuries that occur, but maybe they're a year away and you try to slide them on the practice squad. Well, another receiver, but it's a running back. You know, Benjamin saw him line up in the slot, and he had a great catch, a first down catch on second and nine, a 21-yard reception on a play that Jordan Hicks blitzed up the middle. And I don't know if it would have been a sack or not, but McCoy stood there in the pocket and threw to an open Benjamin who does what we saw him do at Arizona State, make the catch and then make – plays after he makes that catch. So, Hina Benjamin is standing out, and the improvement from year one to year two, yes, the definition of that here in 2021 is Eno Benjamin. The light bulb went off, and he's going to get a ton of time in the preseason. I mean, because the next time he gets a chance, if he's on the 53 and he's going to be active, it's going to be in a real game, whether he's inactive that first couple of weeks. But I got to think Jonathan Ward's going to get a lot of carries. You know, I guess we'll get into this later. Like, like who's untouchable that you would not play in the preseason? I don't know if there is. J.J. Watt? I mean, A.J. Green? I know that they need timing. I mean, how much do you play hop? Yeah, it's – We can get into it, but I, I just thought, is any – because, you know, I'm reading Matt LaFleur. He says, you know – Probably not going to play this. Bruce Arians said everyone's going to play at least a drive or two, yeah, including and, Tom Brady. Yeah, so. and yeah, I, and I get that. I, I just do you play a, a possession or two? Do you ramp it up in the second preseason game because the third one, basically, it's guys playing for you know the back of the roster. So it'd be interesting. I don't know if they would officially rule anybody out early in the week, but there's just a couple guys where. Let's just keep him in a bubble to week one. I mean, Robert Alford. Robert Alford. <laughs> just, just. Robert Alford wants to play, though. <laughs> and and again, I'm not. I'm just saying. You're, I think you know. Cliff was asked, "What about the 53-man roster?" And he he thought that Saturday was another evaluation day. And when sometimes players are play different when the lights are bright. You know, playing in a real game. You know, not going against a guy that's been beating you for two or three weeks. So. He said, you know, right now it's still in the evaluation. But I got to think on paper. You know who the first top 45 guys are now it's a matter of how do you three or four running backs six six receivers tight ends now it becomes a numbers game and some of these guys are going to try to you know fill out the back of the roster so it is the evaluation and everything's been on everything is filmed in practice and and all the different drills so now all of a sudden uh, we'll see when the brights get light and and you finally get into like marco wilson i mean this is his first game you know zayman collins I think Zavin and Isaiah Simmons have to play, don't you? Yeah, just to get the reps and to see what, even if it's basic offenses and it's all vanilla, at least to get out there, get the call from Vance Joseph, tell everyone else what the call is, and then make any adjustments that is necessary depending on what the formation is that the offense breaks the huddle, you know, an extra tight end or a wide receiver. It's a different look, and they have to be the eyes and ears and let everyone know to get everyone on the same page. Yeah, I, I mean, I'll, I'll start following the Cowboys this week, but they didn't, they didn't play Dak Prescott, and clearly they're trying to get him to week one. I mean, you look at Corey Peters, he's probably not going to play. Jordan Phillips, you hope that he plays. 
Um, I do think A.J. Green and Rondell Moore are making progress, um, but I'd be curious to see if, if Dallas doesn't play their starters, how much do the Cardinals play their starters? Now, you got to find out what you have on defense. you got a lot of new faces, uh, but, again, it's more about the evaluation. And again, injuries, you just don't want to see any injuries, and so you got to protect yourself a little bit here. One note, uh, one more note from the red and white practice as far as special teams and punt returners. Greg Dortch, who we already talked about offensively, JoJo Ward and Andy Isabella, they were fielding kicks. And Keyshawn Johnson, James Wiggins, gunners. And I do find it interesting that Keyshawn is a little bit more involved in special teams because, you know, we haven't brought his name up much, but Trent Sherfield was that wide receiver, but he was active because he played on special teams. Is there a wide receiver that maybe doesn't see offensive snaps, but you're active because you play on special teams? Is that Keyshawn Johnson? Is that Andy Isabella? Or is that someone else? Well, right now I got to think it's Keyshawn Johnson because if something happens to A.J. Green, I got to think he's the backup there. Um, if you're going to run some 10 personnel, you're going to change personnel, he'll get some opportunities on the field. And right now, I mean, he's he's ahead of Andy Isabella just based on what he can do. And I think the Cardinals and, and Kyler Murray and Cliff Kingsbury, I think Andy Isabella's had a good camp. I, I can literally say that. You're not going to catch every ball. I just think Keyshawn Johnson has more upside. And he so far has taken advantage of those opportunities that he's been given and with Isabella, you're riding that roller coaster because sometimes he will flash, and then sometimes you know there, there's a penalty. He's not where he's supposed to be. I, I I still feel whether he's on you know in sweats every game. I still think he'll make this roster. I mean, I don't think they're ready to give up on him now. We need to see it. It's you know it's obviously you know Christian Kirk's got to stay healthy, and and I'm glad you brought up the punt return and the and the Gunners there because usually Rondell Moore will be taking those reps. But you know again, you got to have some backups. Like you keep talking about, you know, guys getting these opportunities. If you're a wide receiver or running back, you have to play on special teams if you're a backup. And speaking of special teams, how about Matt Prater? Looks very, very good. And he was asked about the skinny goalposts and uh, something that he has used now for a while. And they're nine feet wide, so just under half as wide as the regular uprights. But he's been doing this as a visual exercise. Quote, I like practicing at those. When I look at those all week, go to the stadium Sunday, they look huge with respects to the goalposts. So I think it's, it's interesting. It's something that you know I haven't noticed, but it's a tool that he uses to get ready for Sundays. And once he signed here, they, they purchased that equipment and they had it in Tempe and then they bring it to, to State Farm Stadium. Five for five, long 42 yards. Now, uh, I communicate with a, a gentleman in Detroit and th- they're they're going to miss Matt Prater. Like, Bullock, was he, he couldn't even hit like 40, 45, 50 yards, which is not a chip shot. But he told me he thinks Prater's better from 50 yards than he is from 40 to 49. And we didn't see Prater kick from that distance 42 on was a Saturday. Longest. But we have seen him warm up to where he is. Yes. 50-plus. And I'm talking, you know, 55, 56, 57. I, you know, and, and that's now a conversation that Kingsbury's going to have to have because – a year ago was, well, let's go for it because we don't have that confidence. Now it's, okay, maybe there's a real decision. How is the offense flowing? Does he have confidence in gaining this two or three yards? Or, hey, we know we've got someone on the sidelines waiting to get in to give us three points, and now you're weighing, okay, keep the drive going, 
or let's get three and get the defense on the field. All right, do you remember his first press conference when he talked about you know going on the field and he had no idea what the distance was? On his record-breaking kick? Yes. 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 Aaron Brewer was the snapper. It's. I was listening to Wolf today, and they played that cut, and he's like, you don't think he knew what the distance was? And he's calling out Jay Feely. Like, you run on the field, but – he said when he when the ball was being snapped, the guy's like, this is going, it's for a record. And he's like, thanks for telling me right now. Yeah, I think you're just worried as a kicker <laughs> where to spot the football, what kind of, yeah. you know, climate, you know, is the wind blowing or whatever. I don't, I don't know how much you look as far as what yard line. You're just looking like, okay, it's a long ways away. I'm really going to have to put some emphasis into this kick. Yeah, and he's not the biggest guy. I mean, he he's, he's got a different approach. He doesn't take a lot of steps. He, he lines up, and you know, obviously, you got the Aaron Brewer and uh, Andy Lee. So, but that's interesting. I wonder why it's forty to forty nine is a little bit more of a struggle than fifty yards because we know that he's money when it comes to clutch kicks. Now, hopefully, you know, I don't know about fifty yards, but he's going to have to make those forty two to forty five because that was an issue with Zane last year. And kickoffs, which we've talked about, he says he has no concerns and mentioned that it was the Lions' decision for him not to kick off. But he is perfectly capable of kicking the ball deep or kicking it short, depending on week to week, you know, what the plan is from Jeff Rogers. I trust Jeff Rogers. They, they do have a relationship prior. So, yeah, I mean, you'd like to see a guy booted out of the end zone every time. But there's going to be games where you kick it high and you hope he doesn't get to the 25. And sometimes you're in directional kicking. Hopefully it doesn't go out of bounds because they could take it at the 40. It's, like you said, I think it's a great point. It's going to be based on the opponents and how well uh, their return game is. And I think Dallas has got some speed guys this week. So it'll be interested to see how their coverage is. Bird gang, like what you hear? How about you subscribe to Arizona Cardinals Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher. Listen to your favorite shows on the go like Cardinals Underground, the Big Red Rays, the Cardinals Red Sea Report, and, of course, this show, Cardinals Cover 2, and soon the Dave Pash Podcast. Go to azcardinals.com slash podcast for more information. All right, let's kind of look and discuss the offensive line. Those five guys, and really you're probably looking at eight or nine, that are responsible for keeping Kyler Murray upright and making sure Chase Edmonds and James Conner have rushing lanes on Sundays. But the one name that we keep bringing up is Rodney Hudson, and we had a chance to hear from Coach Kugler, who called it a no-brainer to add a player like Hudson. And, yes, once again, quote, the center position was something that needed to be approved upon, end quote. And that was something that very early on in the offseason Coach Kugler brought up. And I don't know if it was a, a red flag, but it certainly wasn't something that I had considered or discussed. You had Mason Cole, you had Lamont Gilliard. They seemed to be capable, but perhaps maybe looking back at the film, hey, in the interior – we're giving up too much pressure up the middle. We need to get stronger, and not just the strength, but how about getting someone with some experience, and that's where Hudson comes in as far as being able to survey the defense, help make the checks, the line calls, and then be that, um, I wouldn't say security blanket, but be that guy that Kyler Murray trusts and help along, bring along someone who's been there, done that, and that's where A.Q. Shipley was so vital that first season to be that guy who has seen things on Sundays that Kyler Murray just had not seen. Mason Cole, I mean, uh, you know, the fact that he was a guy that, you know, had the opportunity to get a chance to start, but he was just getting pushed around. And then, you know, you the one to say he was the weakest link. I thought when Shipley was here, he was the glue, okay? He, he, yes, he was going against these defensive tackles, but he's a blue-collar type guy. He's going to play the echo whistle. 
But when you get the weakest link, all of a sudden there's leakage at right guard. And J.R. Sweezy, bless his heart, he played through a lot of different injuries. Now you're mixing and matching there. Luckily, Beecham played all 16 games. So, yeah, I mean, I, uh, when, the way I look at it is Kugler talked about that second unit should be just as good as the first. We know that money-wise and where those guys are drafted in trades, um, they obviously have more cachet. Um, but I think you, they can roll out eight or nine guys right now. And it was interesting because, you know, we talked about, you know, Josh Jones, how excited the Cardinals were to have him. Uh, last year he played 61 snaps, more of an extra blocker. He does play on teams. And now with Brian Winters on the shelf, he's been – And Justin Murray. And Justin Murray, yes, he's been getting a ton of reps there. And I think right now, I mean, uh, depending on when Winters or Murray come back, I mean, these are the, these are the guys. They're going to have two new starters on the offensive line, center and right guard. Well, if it's Murray, then because he finished the season as the starting right guard. But I think we're getting to the point now. Now, Kugler said Winters and Murray were short-term injuries. And, again, we're not getting a lot of information when it comes to injuries. So, short-term, is that, you know, be ready by week one? Who knows? But at this point, it does seem like Josh Jones is in the driver's seat to be the starting right guard. Right. And we'll wait and see because, you know, if you're Winters and we we don't know the, um, you know, Cliff, Cliff said basically he'll be back for the opener. I want to paraphrase though. So now you got to get into football shape, okay? Um, to me, Josh Jones has been taking a ton of reps. And in the perfect scenario, Winters would be your backup guard along with uh, Max Garcia, your backup center. And then possibly Justin Murray could be your swing tackle. If, in the perfect world, Josh Jones at right guard, Beecham. Um, so that's what the Cardinals are looking at. And, again, I think they can go nine deep there. And one guy we haven't mentioned – and you and I were watching practice, and I'm thinking, is he making plays out there? And then all of a sudden you hear Kugler say that Josh Miles is the most improved Cardinal from a year ago. Yeah, the 6'6", six, six, or excuse me, number 66. He's 6'5", 325 pounds, your seventh-round draft pick from 2019. And seventh-round picks, 2019, well, that's Kyler Murray's class, and I think Josh Miles has kind of gotten lost in the shuffle. But you're looking at the leap from – that 2019 to 2021 to where not only is it Kugler bringing up Josh Miles, but teammates are bringing up Josh Miles. And Kugler brought up that he felt that Miles was going to be more of a developmental talent. And we've kind of heard that with Michael Minette as well as far as the center position. And maybe you're not ready now, but down the road. And Kugler's been pretty open about offensive linemen. There are very few that can come in day one and be starters that sometimes it does take two three years before you understand speed of the game understand the game itself as far as what is asked of you and Josh Miles is that guy that according to Kugler the dividends of him are paying off quote he plays with an edge and now that depth that you talked about well now you throw in Josh Miles as another guy there's nine offensive linemen that you know this team likely here as we talk in early August are set to make the team. Yeah, Miles Wears number 66. He's actually running second team behind DJ Humphreys now. Again, you get to game day. Uh, I don't know if he's going to be active, but he's a guy that's a part of the future. You know, obviously Humphreys is only 27. He's under contract, but I wonder if he's a guy you can move over, but I think they want him to get set at left tackle because it's a difference uh, I set from left tackle to right tackle. So, um, But, again, that's good for the future because 
what happens, Craig, is these guys don't get it in a three-point stance in college. They run the spread offense. And with the hash marks, it, it's tough um, to really try to, you know, we know teams, their running back situation, they'll have two backs and they just throw the, you know, the option to them they get to the outside. So you're really not getting in the trenches now, you know, give Josh Jones credit at the University of Houston. He played left tackle, and I want to say 44 to 45 starts, and they ran the ball a little bit um, more even though they still had that spread offense. So you just don't see the development now. You look at a couple years ago's draft, Worse, um, Becton, um, Willis, and Andrew Thomas struggled. But all three of those guys have really panned out in their fixtures for their team at the tackle position. Yeah, when you're talking about high, high, high first-round picks, Correct. but when you get to the back end of the first round or even day two or day three, that's when you're rolling the dice if you're counting on them to play right away. Well, Evan Bain is an example. Mason uh, Mason Cole, Cole Toner. Yeah. Those guys were throwing the mix a lot earlier. And, and really, these guys that come out of college and Evan Bain was a wrestler, I mean, sometimes they just don't have the body to take the withstanding. So... But those are a few guys I would agree. They were thir- second to third, fourth round picks, and they couldn't stick around because they were thrown in the mix too early based on injuries. And Jones is making the transition from tackle to guard, which is very difficult to do. As Kugler mentioned, you know, it's a lot faster inside, maybe less asked of you as far as pass protection is concerned. But that transition, you know, we always talk left side to right side, but going from tackle to guard, and I thought it was interesting when D.J. Humphreys was asked about it and look at someone, you know, in his own shoes. Like if he was that player in year two was asked to all of a sudden play guard, uh, as Humphrey said, quote, I would have looked at them like they had three heads. Because, you know, Humphrey's back then, and he's a lot more mature, but to a certain extent he was stubborn. You know, I'm going to play this, and this is what I do. And now you have Josh Jones. Now it's a first-round pick versus a third-round pick, but someone that is willing to do whatever it takes for himself, first of all, to get on the football field and then whatever it takes for him to help the team. Well, I think it was very clear when Kugler talked about, you know, they, they got to get better at center. And I think he was also talking about the right guard position. So um, Josh Jones has been getting reps there. He's, he also was getting reps at right tackle. I don't know if he was ever officially the, the swing tackle because he – and when you play on the right side, Craig, that's uh, – teams run the ball more to the right side – because you don't have that legitimate pass rusher now, the, the the pass rushers and the outside linebackers are a little bit thicker, but that's where your run game really is going to be effective, and that's why you have a guy like Josh Jones got good size and Kelvin Beecham. Nothing against the left side, more finesse with Humphreys going against the left, uh, you know, with the better pass rusher inside. You know, Pugh and them got their work cut out with these defensive tackles, but normally you run the ball to the right side, and I really like the size between – and I'm, I'm glad that Jones is getting reps next to Beecham. We talked about winners, you know, playing with him in, in, in New York. And so, you know, right now it's a two-man race until Winters comes back. Well, and the thing about the experience – One-man race until Murray comes back. Yeah, and with Jones now, you as, you as you sit there at right guard, you've got Rodney Hudson to your left and Calvin Beecham to your right. And, look, if I've got a question, if I'm Josh Jones, I can look to my left or I can look to my right, and you've got two very, very good offensive linemen who've played in this league for a long time – and ask questions. Hey, am I doing this right? Where should I be? And I'm sure both of those, Hudson and Beecham, are really 
taking Josh Jones and elevating him to where he is now your starting right guard if this team had to play tomorrow. And they don't, obviously, but, you know, give Josh Jones credit as well. But he's surrounded by a lot of experience, which helps. Yeah, I'll say this. Usually the center is one of the smartest guys on the team. And just based on his intellectual, listening to Calvin Beecham, high football IQ, high football IQ from a standpoint, he knows that he may get beat. But he only gave up one or two sacks last season. Calvin Beecham, I believe, yeah, according to Pro Football Focus, it was uh, it was less than five. I know that yeah, for a fact. But I think uh, as I look, uh, just three sacks. Three sacks. Three okay. sacks. That's perfect. So, again, just listening to him talk, you can see he, he dives into the playbook. But usually your center is one of the smartest guys on the team, and I think we're starting to see the upside of what Rodney Hudson can do for Kyler Murray in this offense. Well, how about this from Humphreys asked about Hudson and called him almost like the captain of the ship and someone that can steer this team in the right direction during a drive, especially when things go a little faster, which they did on Saturday. And Humphreys brought up that, you know, things were kind of a little chaotic and Hudson stood up and said, you know what, let this is what we're doing. And then, as Humphrey said, this is, a, this is a long quote, but I want to read it per game because I do think it tells you how much of an impact Rodney Hudson can make on this offense and specifically the offensive line. Humphreys, quote, when you're going so fast sometimes, it's kind of hard to communicate everything. You always need somebody who's confident in themselves and confident in what they're doing and understanding football so well that they can just put us in a direction to get everything smoothed out and handled for that play and we'll talk about it when we get to the sideline. He has, talking about Rodney Hudson, that mental recall to be able to remember all the stuff that went on once we get to the sideline. So having a dude like that just makes our job that much easier. End quote. We don't hear a lot from Rodney Hudson. He's very quiet when he speaks to us in the media. But it does sound like his voice is loud and clear in the meeting room, and maybe more importantly on the football field because, yes, it's about the quarterback, but the offensive line, it's from this middle out, and Rodney Hudson is going to direct this offense because nothing can happen, MJ, until he snaps the football. So he is the last word as far as looking at the defense to try to get everyone along the line where they're supposed to be. When we went through some of our superlatives, you know, who was the best signing, what, what, what did you label uh, Hudson the most important signing? Biggest impact, Biggest the most impact. important offseason move specifically for Kyle Murray. And, and I went big picture. I said the biggest move of the entire offseason for me was Rodney Hudson. And then two on a lesser note, Colt McCoy and Matt Prater. Yes. Because, I mean, hopefully, I mean, if the Cardinals get in these close games and they got to kick field goals, that's going to be the difference from a year ago. And then if something happens to Kyler Murray – Colt McCoy's going in, and that's a big difference from Chris Trevler. So those may be, you know, backup quarterback and, and kicker. Listen, injuries occur, but I am really thrilled about Matt Prater. It's just a matter of, you know, we'll see how Cliff decides to go for 50 yarders, 45 yarders, or this team can start scoring more points in the red zone. Yeah, experience matters, and, you know, you hope to never see the backup quarterback, but if needed – You've got someone who is capable, but more importantly, it's what he's doing off the field. And 
with Matt Prater. Yeah, games come down to a kick and how many one-score games this team played and how many games this team lost last year because a field goal was not successful. And then with Hudson, it's just being the anchor, if you will, and making sure everyone is on the same page and you keep going in a straight line. But if you should veer off course for whatever reason, which Humphreys discussed on Saturday, that sometimes will happen, you've got someone who can guide you back to the straight and narrow, and then if there are questions, hey, not now, we're in the midst of this drive. Let's wait until we get to the sideline, get to halftime, and have those discussions, but not in the huddle, not while we're trying to move the chains, get into the red zone and score points. Even though it's only his first year, he's he's going to call the shots up front. I mean, it, it, look at his background, look at his credentials, look at how productive he's been. So he, even though he's a new guy, that, that position demands leadership and physicality and that's what he's going to bring to that room. And it's what he's done for his entire career as far as what he has done for the Raiders, a three-time Pro Bowl selection, second-team All-Pro in 2019, and by a lot of those metrics out there, the best center in the game, and it's fortunate for the Cardinals that he was available, and they pounced on him. Yeah, and I think Malcolm Butler was an upgrade over Patrick Peterson. Clearly, we'll we'll find out. I just think more in the run support. I mean, he's not a guy that can cover the uh, speed guys on the outside. And clearly, J.J. Watt was an upgrade. So I, I think they addressed some areas to where they really went out and said leadership and physicality. And Malcolm Butler has played in a lot of big games. He played for Belichick. He was in Tennessee last year with Mike Vrabel. So he brings some experience to that position. You know, you got Robert Alford and, and Murphy. So I, I, I feel like they've upgraded the roster at certain positions, center, D-line, corner, backup quarterback, kicker, like things we don't always talk about. Yeah, and the first opportunity to see this team in game action this Friday, State Farm Stadium, the Dallas Cowboys in town. 7 p.m. is the kickoff, 3.30 pregame on the Arizona Cardinals radio network, and hopefully as the week progresses, we'll get more as far as how much and maybe who will see action in that preseason opener. And on that note, let's put a lid on this edition of Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. As always, special thanks to our executive producer, Jim Omohundro. For Mike Jarecki, I'm Craig Riolu. We'll talk to you next time here on Cardinals Cover 2.